Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of August 12th, 2021, including Xbox will be at Gamescom 2021 with another live stream event. The Dead Space remake might be coming sooner than we thought. The next Call of Duty's announcement is rumored to be imminent and more. guys we've done it we finally have used the powers that be of xbox on to will something that we desire into existence i'm talking of course about hard mountain dew no it's not mountain dew that gives you an erection it's quite the opposite it is mountain dew mixed with downers mixed with alcohol which i think i think i learned in health class in middle school that are that alcohol makes you lose erections i don't know why they they were telling me that in middle school but guys for context we're getting alcoholic mountain dew here's here's what happened monday night we're streaming twitch.tv slash lightning extreme right we're playing some halo we're talking and eric Matheson, you know listener to the show shout out to eric comments and says you know like uh what about a, a, an alcohol mountain dew and we start talking about the possibilities of an alcoholic mountain dew Oh, would it be an alcohol? Would it be a, a Mountain Dew beer? And I said no. If if they did a if they did an alcoholic Mountain Dew, it would be like a hard seltzer or like a cider. You know, like the trend nowadays with like the Trulies and the White Claws and all those hard seltzers that are very very popular. So yeah, you know, we're just talking about it, thinking about oh that, that'd be cool if they did like a Mountain Dew alcoholic beverage. And then what do you fucking know? The next day, a new Twitter account pops up called. Hard Mountain Dew, and so it's it's a collaboration between Pepsi Company, which is the parent company of Mountain Dew, and a Boston, I forget the name of it, it's a, it's a Boston brewing company or something like that, it's a beer brewer, but they are collaborating to cr- come up with a new series of hard seltzers called Hard Mountain Dew, and they are exactly they, exactly what we talked about on the, on, on the stream on Monday night, because that's what we do, we fucking play Halo, and we will ideas into existence, and so they are coming out with a new line of Mountain Dew hard seltzers, 21 up, alcoholic beverage, got to be an old man to have it, but they're coming out supposedly sometime early next year. There's going to be three variants, they're all zero sugar, so there's going to be a classic Mountain Dew hard seltzer, then there's going to be a hard or black cherry, which I guess is going to be not really code red, more in line with just black cherry hard seltzer but can't help but think of code red because that's the cherry mountain dew also this can has the same logo as code red and then a watermelon hard mountain dew seltzer which i guess would be like major melon so we got the three flavors here they all come with really cool accompanying art designs little graphics on them there's the eagle on the regular there's the yeti bear looking thing on the black cherry and then there's a snake a viper snake on the watermelon one and goddamn do, do these look promising and exciting as all hell so eric masson wrote in shortly after the announcement saying remember during your live stream when we were talking about mountain dew beer well guess fucking what pepsi just announced they're making a fucking mountain dew beer somebody at pepsi is clearly watching your stream well of course eric of course there are people at pepsi watching my twitch live stream where i poorly play halo like a fucking plebeian of course why wouldn't there be what, are they, what, 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 
what does this look like? Some stupid PewDiePie video? Of course, we have probably many executives from many companies watching my live streams on twitch.tv slash lightningmixstream where we're live every single Monday and Thursday and sometimes even on the weekend sporadically. Follow me at Twitter at Jesse DeRosa for more information on that. Of course. Of course that happens. So just want to say shout out to us. We did it. This isn't Pepsi's doing. This isn't this beer brewer's doing. This is our doing. This is us sitting around on our asses, hypothesizing and and, and, and coming up with ideas and wishful thinking, and then that turning into reality, the, the sweat and tears that it takes to create a new line of alcoholic beverages. So everybody who was there on the stream, I want you to do yourself a solid, reach your hand over and pat yourself on the back. You earned it. All right, that's the first thing, most important thing probably. But along with that, you know, it, we can't always be perfect. I do make mistakes. After all, I am one-eighth human. And with that, I do have a couple of corrections we need to jump into before we can get into the regular run of show. So our first correction actually comes from my brother, who says, well, actually, well, these corrections that he that he points out are in regards to the Activision, the ongoing Activision lawsuit and allegations and all that. So I, I think I've talked about this as thoroughly as my inept brain can really handle so we're not going to get in the weeds on this again but i do have to point this out because it, it is important that we that we set the record straight so my brother says to be fair j allen brack was the only pre- was only president of blizzard entertainment for two years before he stepped down pretty much everything big that happened during the investigation was done before he started as president i agree he didn't do enough to fix any of this but under him they got rid of people like alex whatever his name was the one that's really problematic the guy before him, Mike Morheim, who was the president for like a million idea for like a million years before him. He stepped down right before like 2019 BlizzCon, which I think was the same time as the Cosby Suite thing, and which I had to correct you. No, that was actually around 2013. So things don't line up quite that well, but I do have to I do have to point that out there. While Jay Allen Brack has been around for a very, very long time with Blizzard, and while he was involved or at least in the circle of people who were involved with some of this really shitty stuff, he wasn't technically in the kind of power leader role that he was in as president until pretty recently so do have to make that correction just for the sake of setting the record straight so that you know this is more than anything this has got to be a conversation of putting all the information out as accurately and honestly as it is and allowing you as an individual to make a decision for yourself based on the information given about what the situation is who the bad actors are because even though clearly there are some really shitty people at blizzard and really shitty people who allowed really shitty things to happen. And as much as there are absolutely victims who were uh, mistreated at this company, it doesn't do us any good to try and further smear or misconstrue the information when obviously the things that we know for 100% fact did happen are already bad enough on their own that the story doesn't warrant further fabrication. So do want to point that out. Now, with that out of the way, I do want to do one little, this isn't really so much a correction, it's more of a PSA, a little warning. Now, last week, I chose not to say anything about this because I didn't want to bring attention to it in case there are any trolls who listen to the show, but then I realized this is a show hosted by a troll with an audience of trolls, so what the fuck am I saying? Let me let me just point this out. So yes, last week, 343 noted that there were some Halo Infinite campaign leaks that had started to, to surface. Some people data mined the Halo Infinite uh, test flight and, and, and garnered some information regarding the campaign, the story, and we're kind of leaking that. Luckily, I haven't run into any of that, but it is apparently out there and it is happening. Oh my god, my cat is digging through her litter box like crazy. 
That's all I can hear right now. So apologies if that's coming through on the mic. But anyway, apparently there are leaks out there. And then more recently this week, apparently there are also some new multiplayer details being leaked, which I don't know how, how spoiler alert that could be because obviously it's not ruining the story of the game. But still, a lot of people want to go in completely blind until official announcements are made. So I just want to put it out there. There are many leaks happening around Halo Infinite. So... You know, at this point, we know at the very least that the multiplayer is very fun. We know that the game is very promising, and we know that we're all really excited about it. So it might be time to start winding down on on eating up and feeding into all the coverage surrounding Halo Infinite, or at the very least, you know, just, just be vigilant. You know, if you see anything, say something, guys. And, of course, if anyone thinks it's cute and tries to leave a comment or it, it jump in on the show and try to talk about this leaked information, like ruin it for others i will ban your ass so incredibly fast it isn't even funny so fuck you fuck you fuck you don't do that you little bitch hypothetically all right with all those corrections and things to address and exciting announcements of mountain dew let's jump into the proper run of show beginning with the comments the shout outs from youtube.com you know how it works you go over youtube.com slash second best gaming that's where you find my channel but not for long because i am working on changing the name of it so patience it's virtue you fucking learn it now or 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 die a miserable old sack of shit but you go to youtube.com slash second best gaming you find the xbox on podcast playlist over there and you can click on that bad bitch and leave a comment on the latest episode so don't leave an episode. Don't leave a don't leave a comment on episode four. No one thinks that's cute. No one's gonna go back. No one's ever gonna find you. You're not some goddamn historian traveling to the past to learn what it was like in the summer of 2019, well before the pandemic, when we all thought Xbox would live on forever. No, it's not cute. Just fucking leave a comment on the latest episode. We'll read it. You can say something very nice, like Jesse. I appreciate that you're willing to call yourself out when you make mistakes. This not only humanizes you, but it sets the record straight. And I believe in a world full of false information, nothing matters more than the truth, the objective truth. And I would say, hey, I really appreciate the recognition and the kindness. Let's read your comment. You could also say something really dumb like, Jesse, it's your job to fact check yourself before you hit record and start and start sh- saying shit that you're going to throw out there into the ether. You, it's, it's very dangerous and incorrect for you to be putting misinformation out there, especially when it's potentially slanderous in nature and could affect someone's livelihood and well-being and their image and reputation. And you are a and you are a hack, and no one likes you. And also, Halo Infinite is dumb. So is Sonic the Hedgehog, Mountain Dew, the Ford Motor Company, which I know you're not even a huge fan of, but I'm going to throw it in there for some reason. And also, Pico de Gallo does not belong on Mexican food. I don't give a shit how Mexican the words sound. And I'll say, hey, kind of a mean comment. But uh, fuck you, you're still getting right on the air. All right, our first comment of note this week comes from one Mr. Miggy. Haven't seen you in a while, Mr. Miggy. Why don't you stop by? You ain't been texting me lately. Mr. Miggy says, My Halo Infinite experience wasn't as good as everyone else's. The servers were really laggy for me, so I'd see enemies teleport from where I was shooting, yet they'd get me with three shots across the map. But at least it's a test flight. Also, I got the bourbon brown sugar barbecue chicken sandwich combo when I went to Chicken Guy. Never thought coleslaw could taste so good. And you should definitely try the shake I told you about from Wawa last week. But it may be chocolate overload. Well, Mr. Miggy, I'm sorry to hear that your Halo Infinite uh, experience was less than stellar. Now, I must ask, were you playing on PC? Because it seems like a lot more people had issues on PC than they did on console. So that's that. And secondly, the bourbon brown sugar barbecue chicken sandwich. Now, of course, you're talking about chicken guy. It's a restaurant at Disney Springs. We talked about it. They're slowly starting to pop up in other cities across America, but you weren't specific enough, so I had to add that in there. Guys, 
he went to Disney Springs and tried Chicken Guy. Now, the bourbon brown sugar barbecue sandwich was not on the menu when that place first opened, I don't believe. So I never tried it. And I haven't been there in a while. So, Mr. Miggy, you have my word the next time I make it down to Chicken Guy. That is the sandwich I'll be trying. That is the food item I will be tasting. I don't usually stray too much on the menu. I kind of get the same thing every time. So this is an opportunity to not only go there, but to also try something new. So thank you for bringing that to my attention. I will be having that. As for the shake, I do want to try it. But, man, I can't justify milkshake. It's just it's going to ruin my calorie intake for the day. And that's going to be no good. So Mr. Miggy, kindly step back. Count Skyla jumps in here, and, 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 and as you'll see, these first handful of comments are all pertain to Halo. But Count Skyla says, I came here for the Halo Infinite fruit physics and stayed for the COD reload animation comparisons. <laughs> if you know if you know what you know it, yo. First of all, Halo 5 and Halo 3 are multiplayer masterpieces, and somehow Infinite feels better than both. Agreed. Two, PvP for me was insanely sweaty. I played about eight PvP matches, and the first two were blowouts, and then my MMR started showing up, and it was a full-out sweat fest. It didn't matter, though. It was still super fun. I really hope skill-based matchmaking is loosened for social, though. Next, my PC performance was not good, so many studiers with constant duplicate frames, Xbox Series X performance, and VR and variable refresh rate was like butter felt really good next my guns many guns like the heatwave pulse carbine and ravenger all had learning curves which i thought was awesome very specific use cases and techniques for each which is something that has been missing for at least mostly at least mostly from recent games next sprinting is also nerfed because you only show up on the radar when you sprint and shoot your gun walking like normal no longer shows your radar no incentive to sprinting in arena which is great but it's there for campaign and big team battle when you have a lot of ground to cover and lastly I have lots of nitpicks from the game, like tiny metals, options, no outlines, player additional, adding player collision, friendly fire, but every complaint is such that it's a minor tweak. 343's core gameplay is so good, and it scratches an itch that no Halo game has had before. I cannot wait until this game launches. Thanks for your full analysis on Halo. I think you're spot on. Well, uh, Count Skyla, I actually think you're spot on as well. I appreciate some really good feedback that you added here that I totally failed to mention. Some of these things I meant to mention even, um, specifically the thing about sprinting not showing up on your radar and things like that um but yes i i really particularly love your comment about the guns because i i agree i've been i've been playing a lot of master chief collection and halo 5 since the test flight has ended and that's kind of been my takeaway is now going back to older halo is that in halo infinite the thing that was so incredibly addicting about it was Every gun was like a really fun toy to play with, and they were all equally as enticing to me for the most part, or closely equally enticing. Some I did like more than others. But in Halo Infinite, like I see a gun, I'm excited to pick it up and play with it. Whereas in most Halo games, it's like this handful of guns I'm interested in playing, this handful of guns I don't want anything to do with. And maybe that will change as we get more experience with Halo Infinite and we learn the guns better and everything. But at least with my three days with the game, I came away feeling like, I love the sidearm, I love the AR, and those are what you spawn with. But if I come across a Pulse Carbine, I want to pick that up. If I come across a Ravenger, I want to pick that up. If I come across a Bulldog, I want to pick that up. So it's it, it's quick. Uh, the BR, I want to pick that up. The Sniper, I want to pick that up. So it quickly became this thing of like ev pretty much every gun in this game, except for like the, um, except for the, uh, the, what is it, the, plasma pistol I, I basically just wanted to pick up and play with and i don't think any halo game has hit that not even halo 3 which in my opinion is is the ultimate master class in terms of like the guns and the sandbox of halo not even in a halo 3 
are there that many guns that I'm just constantly like, ooh, I want to pick up and play with that. Ooh, I want to play with that. You know, I, I, and when I play Halo 3, I want my BR, I want my AR, the Magnum's basically useless in that game, I fucking hate the Spartan laser, the sniper's good, uh, the carbine's great, I love that, you know, the shotgun's great, but, like, in Halo 3, there are also a lot of guns I don't want to touch, and there, there's even some equipment I don't fuck with, and it wasn't like that in Halo Infinite, in Halo Infinite, it's, like, pretty much anything I can get it. The only things in Halo Infinite I can think of that I wasn't, like, excited when I came across would be either the plasma pistol or that little beacon equipment that, like, you shoot it on a target, and then it kind of, like, points them out on the map. Although, I must say, once I learned after the beta, after the test flight, uh, through a tweet, once I learned that there's a thing you can do where you can shoot one of those beacons onto your teammate, and then that can be, like, a tracking thing. Like, I, once I realized how many things you can stick that onto, it became more attractive as a piece of, of uh, equipment to play with because that's so cool to be like, okay, there's my dumbass teammate that's going to jump into this area of the map I'm not going to because I don't think that's a good idea. Let me tag him with this little thing, and then I'll go over here and take my lane of the multiplayer map, and then if he comes across, you know, like a, a pack of enemies, it will notify the rest of my squad, hey, this dumbass went over here, there's like three guys over there, there's a lot of heat on him, and then it will scout all those bad guys out. I love that idea, that is so fucking cool. So, yeah, I, I in general, I agree, I agree with your take, dude. Halo, the more, the more I think about it, the more Halo Infinite was just a really special game. And then this is something of a correction as well, but more feedback on Infinite coming from my brother, who says, Infinite isn't a true return to form, Power weapons are infinitely more important in this game than they were, you know, infinitely, you nudge nudge, you get the joke, infinitely more important in this game than they were in other Halo games combined. It truly is a sandbox where I always grab something new, some new goodie, and shoot someone with it. But honestly, in Halo 3, did you grab all those weapons? Sometimes, yeah, but not always. You certainly always take the BR or the shotgun, but did you always take the AR for the, trade the AR for the molar or the spiker? No, this game has a way higher dependency on pickups. It's great, but it isn't a return to form. In Halo 5, I treated pickups like I do in all the other games. In Infinite, I'm always grabbing a Heat Wave or a Commando or a Ravager or whatever. By the way, this isn't to trash the game. This might be my favorite Halo of all. It's amazing, but it isn't a true return to form. That's all I'm saying. And I actually agree with my brother. I think this is something I wish I, I touched on more. That's why I'm touching on it more now with Count Skyland and my brother's comments, because I, again, I agree. What else is there to say? There's, I'm more interested in the toys that this game offers, and I'm constantly like a kid in the candy store, like, ooh, pick this up. And then I, I get distracted when I see a new thing, and then I drop the thing in my hands, and then I want that new toy. I just keep constantly gravitating to all the fun shit that the game keeps flashing in my face, more so than ever. It, it, which in, it, The funny thing is, in a way, I feel like that is, that is what the intended spirit of Halo was always supposed to be, is that all the toys are so fun that you constantly want to pick up the new one and the new one and the new one. Whereas I, I don't think every Halo game makes as good on that promise or that vision as, as they seek out to, or is that as, as much as we expect them to, right? Because like, like you just said, who picks up the mauler when they're playing Halo 3? You know, like I was saying, who picks up, I, I sure as hell don't pick up a Spartan laser when I'm playing Halo 3 because I, I fucking hate some of those weapons. And so it is true. It's like in Halo Infinite, I pick up almost every single thing I see. And that is, that is how you know you have a good sandbox is when all of the toys are so fun that you can't decide which one to play with. And I, I, I think they did a great job. Rounding our Halo-related comments, EA's King says, Jesse, make an HCS team, please. Now, that's, of course, the Halo Championship Series. That's, like, the MLG Halo team or a series league thing. And, and EA's King is suggesting that we make a team. EA's King, that is absolutely, 100%, uh, without a doubt, 
a horrendous idea. Now that you guys have seen me on stream playing Halo, you know how incredibly mediocre I am at video games. There's no... Why would I make... That's like me... That's like me sitting on my ass for these past 26 years of my existence and being like, you know what? I think I'm going to go out for the fucking Ballet Junior Olympics. I got what it takes. I'm going to fucking do it. I'm going to somersault on the high beam or whatever the hell it is they do. Just what, what, like, what, what do you, what are you thinking, man? Why? Are you making fun of me? Because if so, that's kind of funny. All right. Speaking of Halo, ERNCO5 says, I'm scared to say this, but here goes nothing. I love Xbox, but I've never played a second of any Halo game in my life. Well, ERNC05, I gotta say, first things first, don't be scared. Don't be scared. This is a this is a judgment-free zone, you fucking idiot. Just kidding. No, this is a judgment-free zone uh, in that regard. You're not going to be made fun of because you haven't played Halo. Listen, the important thing is that you got to safety and you knew that you knew that Xbox was the right place to be. Whether Halo got you there or didn't, you you knew what was right from wrong, and that's all that really matters. Now, should you give Halo a chance? I think so. ERNC, I gotta ask you a quick question. What are some what are your favorite Xbox games? Like what are of like the games that define Xbox? What are some of your favorite games? Are you generally into shooters? Because if you are I, I highly, highly recommend you give Halo a try. You never know until you try. It might, might be your next favorite game. Now, maybe you're just not a shooter person. Maybe you love racing games and sports games and puzzle games, but you're just not into over-the-top first-person action. Hey, that's okay. Xbox still has a place for you. We still have a place for you in this community. We're just happy you're here, okay? As long as you're sucking from the teats of mo uh, the, the green milk teats of Mama Xbox, you'll always be in safe hands. Um, so I, I appreciate the honesty. I think that is a brave and bold statement to make. You know, a lot of people in this world, I think, would be too afraid to come out and, and reveal themselves in that way and expose themselves in that way and put themselves in harm's way for the honest truth. And I think you should be proud of yourself for what you've done here today. So ERNC05, thank you for your honesty and your bravery. But do tell me, what are your what are your go-to type of games or Xbox games because I, I, I would say if you're into the action games, if you're into the first-person games, give Halo a try. And if you decide to do so, let us know what you thought. Although you also are in the unique position where you could potentially have Halo Infinite be your introduction to the series, which would be pretty cool. Because obviously Halo Infinite's go going to be a lot of younger players first time playing Halo. So it's going to be cool It's gonna be cool to see a new generation of gamers come up being like, oh yeah, I, I grew up on games like Halo Infinite. And uh It'll be cool to see what kind of perspective they have on the franchise versus us old farts who just sit around and bitch and moan about Halo 2 versus Halo 3, which one mattered more. Remember when uh, Machinima was around and Red vs. Blue and Rooster Teeth, and uh, I remember the Bush administration fondly. Ha 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 ha, said no one. All right, next up, bringing on a guest to Xbox on. What do you think about it? Well, Compassionate Choice LLC has, uh, has something to say, saying, Jesse... What are your thoughts on bringing on a guest on the show from time to time? It could be interesting. Now, Compassionate Choice LLC, Limited Liability Company, Limited Liability. Okay, it's funny you bring that up because I've, I've thought about this many times before. Uh, about, you know, obviously Xbox On has become its thing, right? It's, it's I think it's kind of found its niche. It, it knows what it is. This is... You know, the thing that sets this show apart from other Xbox news-related podcasts, of which there are many, 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 is that this is a show all about, well, two things. Me constantly derailing the topic of the show by just saying whatever the fuck I want whenever I want. And two, 
and maybe more important than one is the audience feedback. It said, I wanted this show to be all about your guys' uh, reactions to what I say, reactions to the news, thoughts and opinions, whatever the fuck you want to talk about, whatever you want to shoot shit about. And I always wanted this to be a show where the audience felt like this was just as much their show as it is mine. Well, what is putting your money where you, where your mouth is look like in terms of like further envisioning that statement or that idea? Well, I think it's exactly what you're suggesting here, which is potentially bringing on a guest. Now, you don't straight out say, why don't you get someone from the audience to be on the show? But to me, that's what I think of. Like, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to find like some other Xbox voice out there or like interview people who make video games on Xbox. Like that's not anything I would be interested in doing. Again, there's million of other millions of other podcasts that do things like that. I'm not interested in that. This is a show by the people for the people. This is not a from the top down kind of deal. So if I were to have people on the show, it would it would be you guys. It would be the audience. It would be a you know, like, uh, I thought about it. It'd be like, there'd be some vetting process, you know, oh, well, I, I know I can trust you. Like, someone like a, a dead Captain James, like, you've been listening since the very beginning. I trust that you're not some crazy psychopathic murderer, and if I invite you on the show, you're not gonna scream, like, profanities into the microphone. Not like, fucker shit, but like, truly offensive profanities into the microphone, and and then, you know, try and uh, try to tear down the show with your one with your one shot appearance. Like I so there would be some kind of vetting process to, to, to decide who could be on and who couldn't, obviously. And then I, I think it'd be cool to do something like a rotation like, you know, this week, it's just me this week. It's me and this person from the audience this week. It's me and this other person from the audience. And it'd be cool to get your takes on it. We could read through the comments together, laugh about it. It'd be fun to bounce off each other with the jokes. And then we can get into the news and, and offer more than just one take on the news of the week. I, I've thought about this many times before. I think it would be really fun. The problem is there's just so many things that go into it. A main reason for one of the main reasons for why I do this show solo is because there's nothing easier than just being, than just only having to rely on yourself. And like, I, I've tried this before. Like I've been trying to do YouTube and video game content creation related things ever since like I was like 16 or 18 or whatever the fuck it is. Like I'm not, this isn't my first time trying to do a creative project. And one of the things I've noticed, and this goes back to when I was like 16 playing in rock bands and shit is like nothing is more frustrating then when you want to do a creative project and you have a creative idea and you know you're dedicated to it and you'll do your part and you're serious about it and then your friend or acquaintance or whoever it is that you're shooting with that's like, oh yeah, I also want to do that or oh, that'd be so cool if we were in a band together or if we did a YouTube channel together or whatever. There's nothing more frustrating than when that person talks the talk but then when it comes time to like, okay, so are we doing this? Like, do you want to start jamming together or do you want to you come up with some ideas and try to make a video together? Then they flake out. And I, I hate relying on people. It becomes this thing of like, I'm really serious about this thing. This person sounded really serious about this thing, but they're not. Or like, I tried to do this thing with this person and they kept rescheduling with me. Like, if there's one thing I want you guys to take away from my work ethic involved in the creation of this show and my stream, it's that if I say I'm going to do something, I fucking do it. Like, I tell you this podcast is going to be live every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time, so it's live 9 a.m. Eastern time. It, it, you know, I tell you, we're streaming on my Twitch channel Mondays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. I'm streaming, or 8 p.m. rather. I'm streaming on my Twitch channel every Monday, every Thursday, 8 p.m. I, I know I can hold myself accountable, and I know I can do that, but I, I, I have a hard time trusting other people just knowing how many times I've talked the talk with people, and then they've just been flaky. Like, I have a I, don't know, I, I have a friend I was supposed to do a gaming website with and a YouTube channel 
who flaked on me like a hundred times. I have, you know, my, my entire high school band, the only reason we even broke up was because my bassist and my drummer were just never quite involved. And I know it's silly. It's like, Jesse, you're like in your mid to late twenties now. Why are you pining on like these, these flaky people you knew from when you were like 17 or 19 or whatever. It's like, okay, fair enough. But the thing is, I just know Xbox on will work as long as I'm the only person required to make it work. And that just helps keep everything realistic and doable and stress-free for me, knowing that, you know, whatever happens on Wednesday night, I will sit down in front of my computer, record the show, edit it, no matter what happens, whatever technical difficulties occur, I will make sure I don't even get a, a fucking wink of sleep if that's what it takes to make sure that the show is ready to go by Thursday morning. And I just feel like if I bring someone else in, into the mix, that goes out the window because now I'm also dependent on someone else. I don't know if they're going to be reliable and it just becomes a whole thing. So that's another, that's probably the main reason why I've never really tried to get that ball rolling. So basically everything I do creative project wise, I'm always just like, how can I make this a one man show? Because I don't want to have to rely on anyone else, you know, scheduling conflicts. I got this commitment. You got that commitment. I understand everyone has their own busy life. It's not fair to expect someone to always be available all the time, but you know, I, I know what I can sacrifice to give to something and I can't expect that from everyone else. And I, and I'm not going to wait around for everyone else. So it, I, I know it sounds kind of like mean in a way, but like, I just had enough examples of like, I'm trying to do this thing with this other person and then it doesn't happen. It's like, well, I shouldn't be frustrated at that person. If that's the case, you should be frustrated at yourself because you are the only thing stopping you from doing the thing you want to do. And so Xbox on works and happens because it is a thing I do alone and I hold myself accountable for and I don't, I just don't know how that works if I try to bring other people into the fold. And lastly, the only reason I haven't done it is because the audio recording issues, I, I really, really hate podcasts where either one, the audio is awful or two, you have like some people with good audio, some people with shitty audio. Like to me, like the audio has to be at the very least like a, like a six and a half out of 10 in terms of quality. And I, you know, this show isn't the best audio quality ever by any stretch of the imagination, but I like to think Xbox on sounds fairly competent you know for a one-man no-name show I, f I feel like this show's audio quality is slightly above average and I'm proud of that I don't want to have to record with like someone with shitty internet over some program on the internet and then we download the files and then someone's internet or someone's audio file is like super staticky and robotic and shitty and then the other person's is like kind of a lot better so it becomes this thing of like some the listeners taking in the show and like the audio sucks on one side but it's great on the other it's a whole thing. It just makes everything so much easier if I'm like, listen, man, this is a two-way street. I talk to you, you talk to me, but the only difference is I get the mic and you get the fucking keyboard, okay? So, kindly compassionate choice. I've thought about it. I still do want to do it. In some capacity, at some point or another, we will do something like that. I will try to get some of you guys on here if, if anyone's interested in doing that. But it's not going to become like a mainstay of the show, and it's not something I'm trying to do right this second. Right now, I'm kind of in a weird transition phase with trying to really settle into the new streaming schedule and all, and all some other things. So nothing that's going to happen immediately, but I appreciate the the suggestion, and I, I've definitely thought about it. It's definitely something I would like to do now. Just right this minute is just not the time. Not not that you're suggesting right this minute should be the time. Look at me. Look at me looking, reading into what you're saying too much and assuming I'm making an ass out of you and me, Compassionate Choice LLC. Now, next we got the Battle of the Chicken Sandwiches. Buckle up. This is going to be one of our, this is going to be our long comment of, of, of the episode, but it is one that we need to go through in great detail because it's worth every fucking word. So Temple Knight wrote in and said, 
So my wife had the idea to go to our local Chick-fil-A, local Wendy's, McDonald's, Popeye's, and purchase the chicken sandwich for us at each restaurant and do a direct comparison between the four. Originally, we planned to include Burger King, but the line was so long, so they lose. Well, Temple Knight, you made the right decision because the Burger King chicken sandwich just sucks. I promise you, you don't even have to try. It just sucks. Now you continue on saying, starting with McDonald's, the sandwich was pretty awful. The bun was nothing special, a standard McDonald's bun. The filet was thin, small, and drier than the rest. It also lacked in flavor and breading. Overall, I don't recommend 2 out of 10. Next up, Wendy's. We got the pub chicken sandwich with the beer, cheese, onions, bacon, and in addition to the classic pickles. The filet was moist, appropriately sized, and a little crunchy. Sufficiently complimentary to the toppings. The pretzel bun is also a little small. Bonus here. Overall, I recommend if you're looking for something different from the standard chicken sandwich style found elsewhere. Six out of ten. Third, Chick-fil-A. This is the standard bearer of the segment, and as such, it gets additional scrutiny. I think that's very fair. We decided to get the spicy sandwich this time because we've had the original so many other times. The bun was good, but doesn't provide an over-the-edge experience like the others. It's all about the filet, which is the most important part. The moist and flavorful meat is cut to a medium-large size filet, which is both moist and rich with flavor. The breading does lack a crunch factor, but kicks in with the seasoning department. Overall, the the chicken sandwich king is recommendable in all of its forms and won't disappoint. Don't eat too many, though, or you'll fatigue your taste buds like Jesse did. 7 out of 10. Uh, Let me just stop you there real quick, Temple Knight, because I gotta say, the spicy chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A's, I, I think it's significantly worse than the standard chicken sandwich because even though I love spicy chicken, I think the spicy chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A always comes out thinner and drier than the standard one. So I got to say, you're not giving Chick-fil-A full justice by by trying their spicy over their standard. But again, they are the reigning champ. They are the long-standing king, so they get extra scrutiny, which I did say I agree with. So carry on. And finally... Popeyes. You say, like the Rebel Alliance up against the Chick-fil-A Empire, they have made their mark. The largest filet of the bunch has a crispiness that won't quit. It's surrounding a beautifully tender and satisfying filet that surpassed the rest. These are probably the hormones... These are probably some hormone-pumped chickens, but dang, they taste wonderful. Beyond the pickles, the mayo-like sauce that they use to complement the crispiness of the breading, and it's a smart texture and flavor addition without distracting from the filet. My one criticism is the seasoning. My thought is that I may need to try the spicy version next. Overall, I highly recommend the sandwich as a higher performer, with the caveat that the spicy rendition may change the game. 7.5 out of 10. Overall, we enjoyed the feast, and I'm lucky to have a wife with a great with great ideas. I think she was inspired by my talk of the show. Also, side note, I tried Mountain Dew Rise, Strawberry Melon. Nothing special, not really Mountain Dew. Okay, Temple Knight, that is, in so many ways, one of the best writings we've had in, in, in a long time on the Xbox On pod, podcast. Wonderfully written, very thorough, I think very fair, very apt, and uh, you just you make some great points. So so very very wonderful writing. Thank you for your time, and most importantly, thank you to your wife for the wonderful idea and for making this inevitable and incredibly important showdown for making this a possibility. And just as a side note, before we jump into it, uh, Mountain Dew Rise. Yeah, I, I t- like. I guess I, I said whenever I tried them, they're fine. I think they're good for what they are. But I agree with you. It's not like you don't try it and go, oh wow, that's Mountain Dew. But it is good for what it is, I think. It's 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 fine. Strawberry Melon was one of the better ones, too, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they're, they're good. They're, it's whatever. It's not Mountain Dew. I, I agree with that. Okay, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Temple Knight. You're ripping the thoughts straight out of my butthole. Except this first one. McDonald's, I think 
so either one one or two. Either you had a bad experience at McDonald's, which is contra- which is contradictory to what I'm always saying about how McDonald's is so consistent, but you may have had a bad McDonald's experience here because I've had the chicken sandwich there, the new one, a couple times, and we tried all the variants of it. And yes, I agree. Their filet is generally smaller, but their bun is not a standard McDonald's bun. It's like a buttery, almost like potato-y kind of bun. Not quite potato-y, but you know, it's, it's not like the sesame seed or standard value cheeseburger bun. It is a special bun. So it is softer and butterier than the other McDonald's buns. So I think you're being a little unfair there. But, you know, maybe you got a drier, smaller filet than usual. I find with the sauce and lettuce and everything that it's, it's a pretty solid chicken sandwich. It's no Chick-fil-A. It's no Popeye's. But I think it's good for what it is. And I think, I think you know, if you're stuck in one of those crazy fringe places like California where Chick-fil-A isn't as abundant as it is here in the southeast or Popeye's isn't as abundant as it is in here on the east coast. I don't know if that's true. I'm just making that up. But, you know, McDonald's is abundant because it's abundant everywhere. Then I think you can't, you know, you can't go wrong. It's going to be fine. It's going to it's going to do the job just fine. But it's yes. Now, Wendy's, I forgot that I've had this sandwich. I had this sandwich about a year ago. And yeah, it's it's fucking great. I am not a Wendy's fan. I've said it on the show before, I do not like Wendy's. I think they're vastly overrated. Uh, I, I eat there out of necessity sometimes, but I haven't been to a Wendy's in probably like six months or more. I, I, I'm not a Wendy's guy, and, and and I live right down the street from a Wendy's. Like right down the road from me, right outside my apartment, there is a McDonald's and a Wendy's. I go to that McDonald's like fucking once every other week. I go to that Wendy's like one, once or twice a year. So I, I, I'm not a Wendy's guy. But I gotta give credit where credit's due, and I agree that 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 pub chicken sandwich is phenomenal. And yes, it's very unique. That's its most winning characteristic. Is that it's not trying to be the southern style chicken sandwich. It's trying to be something different. The pretzel bun's good. The beer cheese works. The bacon, all the overloaded toppings and shit's good. And 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 despite it being an amalgamation of so many flavors, they still manage to not fuck up the chicken itself, which is the most core aspect. So I I agree. It's a good sandwich. It definitely deserves a seat at the table. But of course, it's no match against the two reigning champs, the Chick-fil-A versus the Popeyes. And what I really want to bring to light here is that you made the right choice and you gave Popeyes the edge over Chick-fil-A, which means that you are human. You do bleed red blood and there probably is a seat for you in heaven. So I want to give you congrats for that, for doing the right thing. And you say here that you haven't had the Popeye's spicy sandwich. Well, spoiler alert, it's also fucking great. And it's actually spicy. It's not like, it's not like white people spicy. We're like, Oh, it's spicy, but you bite into it. And it's like beyond mild. And then like some basic white bitch is like, that's too much spice for me. And you're like, bitch, that wasn't even the sandwich. That was just the salt packet. This is like actually spicy in, in, in a good way. It's really, really nice. Uh, the mayo is spicy. The chicken um, breading is spicy. And it's still a phenomenal sandwich. It doesn't compromise the juiciness of the patty the way that I think the Chick-fil-A spicy sandwich compromises the juiciness of their chicken patty. So got a shout out to Popeye's reigning champ. I think so. Temple Knight thinks so. You should think so. You better think so. This is a group. This is group think. This is dogma. If you don't ascribe to this. This, this notion that Popeye's makes the best chicken sandwich in the fast food realm, then you're probably a fucking Nazi, and we will, or actually, even worse, you're probably a Nintendo fanboy. All right, next up, Uber Eats, Rants, and the rest. A couple comments to round out the comments section today. Dead Captain James says, loved your Nintendo rant, loved the N64 a lot because of nostalgia. Never owned a GameCube Wii or Wii U. By the time GameCube came out, I was, quote, too mature for Nintendo. The Switch is the first Nintendo console I've owned since the N64. Lol. Well, dead Captain James. Don't know what to say to that. But thank you. Think you ought to go back and play some of those Wii games. 
some pretty good shit. You ever play, you ever play Sonic Unleashed for Wii? <laughs> Better than you? All right, David I305, the guy who kicks my ass at Halo every every Monday night, says, thanks for the shout out. Thanks for the shout out, Jesse. You're the greatest host of the Xbox On podcast. I have been hearing the podcast since the 30s or 40s around the time, episode 30 or 40, around when you were talking about getting an air fryer. Homemade food with chicken what, sorry, with checkers or Arby's fries on the air fryer. Game night is always fun. I respect you as a great host, and I will never teabag you on Halo, but I will make it impossible for you to not win. Jesse, you are my Orlando food expert, so I need your recommendation for a good Cuban restaurant in Orlando to take my Cuban wife. David I-305 from Miami 305, not the raid. Not the ride. That's, of course, a little inside joke we have, since David's name is David I-305, which... Sounds like Intimidator 305, the roller coaster at at uh, at Carolyn's theme park in in South Carolina. So of course, a little little inside joke there, but no, it's a reference to Miami. Which let's be honest, David, no offense, Miami kind of sucks. It's not, it's no Orlando. So come come on up to Orlando, we'll take good care of you here. All right, friend, fucking Halo guy. I feel bad because I don't have a recommendation for a Cuban restaurant in Orlando. Now, Florida, heavy Cuban population, no shit very close to Cuba. South Florida is, of course, where there is more of a Cuban presence. The only reason I ever want to go to South Florida is because I want to go there to watch baseball and to eat Cuban food. But I got to be honest with you, here in Orlando, I don't have a favorite Cuban restaurant. I had a favorite Cuban restaurant back in Atlanta, but you didn't ask about Atlanta. You asked about Orlando. I don't have one. So, David, my pledge to you is I'm going to go out of my way to find a Cuban place that I like to eat food at. When I find this place, I'll let you know. For you and your Cuban wife. Thank you. Next, Sam Torres says, Yeah, that wasn't clear in my last statement about Spaceship Earth at Epcot. What I meant is, while playing Flight Simulator, I flew over most of the area over Universal. Nope, no trace of Hulk or Dr. Doom's Freefall. It's interesting, though. Flew over Florida Mall and saw that they did have many of the store logos on the outside of the stores. I want to fly over Expedition Everest at Disney's Animal Kingdom and see the structural facade of the mountain. Oh, you're talking about Microsoft Flight Simulator. I still haven't played Flight Simulator. I need to do that. That's that's actually really cool because that's actually the first thing I was going to do too was just fly over Disney World. <laughs> so it's funny that you kind of did the same thing. You flew over Universal and Disney. Definitely fly over over Expedition Everest because you, as I'm sure you know, from an aerial point of view, the structure of the ride outlines like a hidden Mickey Mouse logo. So pretty cool shit now you also say sam torres oh uber eats by the way it's crappy not the company but the restaurants that look down on delivery people in general during the heart of covid they welcomed us and saw a light to possibly staying open now the restaurants have business coming in their doors again regularly so the delivery drivers are getting treated like morons again i understand it uh sam torres i'm, <laughs> I'm sorry I, I am aware that that is a problem actually again I, I worked in restaurants for a very long time now i must say the reason why we treated uber eats drivers a certain way was was because the owner the investor of the restaurant that i worked at um, had a good friend who worked for post post no door i always forget if it was postmates or doordash but he had a friend that worked like at a pretty high up role for one of those companies and so we had an exclusive deal where we only did delivery with whichever i think it was doordash but it might have been postmates and the the problem was people would always order to eat order food from a restaurant through uber eats and the other services when we exclusively worked with postmates or doordash or whatever it was and it would always drive us nuts because we would tell uber eats and these other companies like please remove our restaurant 
from the list of restaurants you can order from on your service because we have an exclusive partnership with this service, not yours. We can't accommodate your orders. And still, we would never get removed from these apps. And so people would always like order Uber Eats from our restaurant. And then the drivers would just show up like, hey, I'm here to pick up an order for this person. And then we'd be like, uh, I don't see you on the list. And they'd be like, uh, Uber Eats, it's an order for whoever. And then we'd be like, oh, we only do with DoorDash, actually. We can't do Uber Eats. So if the, someone makes that order, we don't even get notified of it. We can't do it. And then the Uber Eats drivers would always get pissed at us. And we'd be like, sorry, man, we literally have no way of knowing when that order comes in. And then um, they'd get fucked. So it was always a thing of like, it fucked over us, like the front of house staff at our restaurant because we got yelled at. And it fucked over the Uber Eats driver because they made the trip all the way out to us and wasted time and money. And so it was never fun. But I am aware that you guys definitely get, or, or Uber Eats drivers definitely get the um, the butt end of the, of the deal for sure a lot of times. And then finally, Lethal Migraine wraps us up with a little stinger saying, Delta Strain is going to kill us all. Disney needs to shut down for good. Lethal Migraine, all I got to say to that is I'm going to Magic Kingdom this weekend and I can't fucking wait. I'm going to check out all the Halloween merchandise that just dropped and I have every goddamn intention of buying that new Halloween shirt because it looks fucking badass. It's a candy corn color. It transitions from yellow to orange to black and it says Happy Halloween 2021. It's got the vampire Mickey and all that shit on it and I can't fucking wait and I'll wear it on the stream. Lethal Migraine, that's what I'll do. I'll go to Disney World in the middle of a goddamn pandemic, fully vaccinated with a mask on because they'll require me to wear one anyway and then I'll go in there, I'll buy that motherfucking shirt and then on Monday night, we'll play Halo as a group. And you know what I'll do? I'll wear the goddamn shirt from Disney World and say, not only is Disney World not shut down, but I'm wearing a fucking Halloween shirt in the middle of August. So what do you got to say to that, Lethal Migraine? Love you. All right, that's going to do it for all of our comment shots. What not from this week? Remember, for next week, don't be shy. Reply. But we're 47 minutes in and we haven't gotten to the news. So let's let's move along, guys. So next, we're going to tell you what I've been playing. But before I can tell you what I've been playing, i got to tell you about what I've been eating. Now, last week, I told you what I was anticipating eating, which was, speaking of Disney, the reopening of Pizza Fari, one of my favorite quick service restaurants in all of Walt Disney World property. But I've got some bad news for you guys. Saturday, picture this, Saturday, 4 in the afternoon, 98 degrees, a billion percent humidity. Literally, rain is falling from God's ball sweat onto our faces from the heavens. It's so goddamn hot. And my girlfriend and I are at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Excited to finally have Pizza Fari for the first time in over a fucking year. So I get on my phone, I mobile order a little pepperoni pizza, a tiny little personal pizza. We mobile order the brand new chicken parmesan sandwich. Excited to try that bad bitch out. And the spaghetti and meatballs cupcake that we've been talking about. And what do you know? It was all incredibly disappointing. <laughs> Even though it's the same Disney pizza they make in other parts of Disney property and other Disney restaurants, this place just didn't prepare it properly. It, it tasted like they cooked it too fast at too high a temperature, so the inside wasn't cooked through enough, but the outside was like crispy and a little burnt. So the pizza, even though it was still good, it was still Disney pizza, one of my top five favorite foods of all time. It was a much weaker Disney pizza than the ones I used to get at the resorts, or the ones you can get over at Hollywood Studios at the Pizza Rizzo. So the pizza, mwah. all right, but the chicken parmesan sandwich, you say, well, it's a new, it's a new sandwich. How is it? Well, the ciabatta bread was good. The sauce was even good, surprisingly, and the mozzarella cheese, very nice. But the chicken patty itself, oh my god, it's like we're back to Temple Knight's comment. The chicken patty itself was some shitty store-bought, microwave, thin, poorly breaded, sh piece of shit patty. Hard, hormone-injected, nasty-ass chicken. It was not fun. Well, you're saying, surely this, uh, this uh, spaghetti and meatballs cupcake can save the day. And I'll say, well, it can't. And also, don't call me Shirley. Because the cupcake 
also failed to meet expectations. You see, it tasted like they made the cupcake two days before and then put it in the refrigerator to keep cold. And so when we ordered it, it was just like hard frosting, really bland cake, stale donut for the meatball on top. Uh, and then the fondant frosting for the red sauce was kind of like flavorless and gross. I don't like the flavor of fondant, fondant, if that's what you call it. I don't know why people do that. It's, it's, it doesn't taste good. Don't don't use it. And so the cupcake also severely disappointing. So am I happy that Pizza Fari is back? Yes. Was it probably just first week back open, you know, jitters, trying to get back in the in the groove and maybe they'll get better over time? Yes. I've had good experiences at Pizza Fari. I will be back in the future. I'm sure this was a one-off. At the very least, their pizza is usually a lot more consistent. So it's okay. I'll, I'll give you this past Pizza Fari. I'm just glad you're back. You, you look good. I hope you're doing well and uh, welcome home. But that was an unsatisfying experience. I'm a fat ass. If food's bad, I'm still going to eat it. But my girlfriend's a little bit more uh, self-respecting of her body. So she's like, I'm not eating this. This isn't good. So she doesn't finish it. It's a bum deal. So what does she do? Well, my girlfriend being awesome, like she is decides, Hey, let's go over to the rainforest cafe just outside the park. And we could sit at the bar, just grab a, grab a chair and get some appetizers and some fun, non-alcoholic adult beverages. So that's what we do. We go over the, the Rainforest Cafe. They say, excuse me, sir, we're full on seating. And I say, ma'am, don't worry. So I reach into my wallet. I grab my Landry Select card. And then she, like, is taken back. She's like, oh, right this way, sir. And she seats us directly at the bar, of course, where Landry Select, so very important customers there. And so we sit down at the bar. And the, and, the, and the server leans in. It's like, guys, what are we drinking? We got beer on tap and tequila in our alcohol bottles. And I say, sir, I will take that virgin pina colada and a, um, a a strawberry lemonade for the lady, please. And so we get a couple of non-alcoholic beverages. They do not serve them in the kids' souvenir glasses. They, they're insulting me as if I want the adult glass when I clearly didn't. But nonetheless, we get the regular glasses, order some appetizers. You know, you get the, the creamy spinach dip. You get the mozzarella sticks and the chicken tenders and the... Oh, and of course, the chimichachas. The chimichachas is the, the most iconic Rainforest Cafe item. And uh, we have ourselves a little feast, a little appetizer and, and sweet beverage feast. And it was phenomenal. And more than made up for the bum experience at Pizza Fari. And it was a night to behold. We were dining amid the rainforest. There was a moment where the monkeys and the elephants and, and the birds started screaming and freaking the fuck out because it was storming in the restaurant. And that's what happens in the rainforest. But it was okay. Everything was under control. The staff handled it expertly. You would think they did that shit all day. But no, they knew how to handle these animals when they get out of control. And so they got the animatronics under control. The storm went away. It passed us by. And and, and, and and the non-alcoholic beverages and cheese sticks just kept they kept coming. And that's why you gotta go to the Rainforest Cafe. So it was it ended up being a, a big save on an otherwise big disappointment. So Pizza Fari, I'm glad you're back. Get your shit together. Rainforest Cafe, thanks for always being there. Old reliable. I'm glad I had that to go bag with your logo on it. I don't think I'm gonna throw it out. Okay, that's it for what I've been eating, but what have I been playing? I know the question's on everyone's mind. Well, I'm still trying to figure out how to like juggle free time with now doing the podcast and all the streaming. So this might seem redundant, but what I've been playing is Halo because what we've been streaming is Halo. So might not come as a big surpri surprise to those of you who have been tuning in to the stream, but that's what that's what I've been playing is some Halo Lightning Lightning Extreme over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Lightning Extreme. Please follow me. Please follow me, guys. Let's get to 70 followers. We're almost at 70. But yeah, it's, having fun. We had a really fun time this past Monday. Lots of good conversation being had. We willed a new Mountain Dew drink into existence, so clearly something good's coming from that. But yeah, it's, that's that's the bulk of what I've been playing. But guys, I got to tell you, the gaming PC that I ordered came. It arrived. I've set it up. Now, this is a 
performance PC I, I, I got because I want to be able to have a better platform to do the podcast and render the video version, all that shit. And because I'm trying to get into YouTube, I'm going to start doing some YouTube videos based on some content from the stream and the podcast. So stay tuned for that. And then also I need a better setup for the stream. So this is more of a quote unquote work related purchase, you know, something I had to do to be a big boy to help evolve the quality and the content relating to Xbox on, but also, Hey, it's a, Hey, it's a fun, powerful PC that can play video games. So I'd be lying if I said I'm not excited for it for that purpose as well. So I got into the back for blood beta this past weekend and I played some back for blood and I won't get too into it until after this upcoming weekend where the open beta is. When I get some time to play it with others, we'll probably stream it uh, this Thursday or next Monday. So we'll get into more of it then, but just my early brief opinions on the game. The game's good. It's really fun. I played the campaign portion of the beta, and you can tell this game is already really highly polished. It's just about ready to come out. The gameplay feels like more Left 4 Dead. It feels like Left 4 Dead meets 2021. Boom, you can't go wrong. There are a couple things I'm really concerned about, namely with like the card system and the little hub world shit at the beginning, but I will get into more of that as I play more of the game. Just know my early impressions of the game, if you are a Left 4 Dead fan, if you are anticipating this game or interested in this game in any way, this game looks extremely promising from at least a core gameplay standpoint, and the fact that it's a day one Game Pass game I think is very, very promising, so don't sleep on Back for Blood. Also, it's coming out in October, which is just perfect for Halloween, so rest assured, as someone who loves, loves, loves Halloween and is very excited for the Halloween season, this will probably be the game we play the most in October, so get ready for lots of Back for Blood uh, in the stream in the month of October, and get ready for lots and lots of zombie murdering. I cannot wait. Now, with that all out of the way, guys, we actually have a decent run of news to get into, so let's just uh, let's just t- take the chicken talk, put it to the side, and talk about the green logo with the X in the middle that makes us all arbitrarily friends with one another. News time! All right, so we got a decent handful of stories to get through this week. Our first one coming from Xbox Wire, straight from the horse's mouth. Tune in for all the action at Gamescom 2021 with the Xbox stream to warm you up for Gamescom week. We'll be airing the official Gamescom 2021 Xbox stream hosted by Paris Lilly and Kate Yeager. Join us on August 24th at 10 a.m. Pacific time to learn more about our biggest exclusive games lineup ever. You'll get an in-depth update on some of the previously announced games for Xbox Game Studios alongside titles, uh, alongside some of your favorite third-party titles from some of your favorite favorite third-party partners god damn including some of the incredible titles coming from xbox this holiday upcoming releases to our monthly subscription service xbox game pass and much more so uh, that's just an excerpt from the from the story but xbox announced this week that they are doing an, a gamescom presentation so this isn't too surprising obviously gamescom was canceled last year thanks to covid but xbox has been pretty reliably at gamescom every year for the past five or six years or so with with some kind of presentation uh at least since like 2016 i think and so this isn't too surprising that now that games comes back they're back so it's gonna be a digital stream event it's gonna be a digital stream event and they're gonna go over updates regarding some of their games now keep in mind you think what is gamescom how big of an event is this going to be gamescom is pretty much as i was saying on the stream earlier it's kind of like smack dab in between like what a pax is and what e3 is so it's not as focused on like the retailers and investors like an e3 is but it's not as 
fan focused as something like uh, PAX, where it's like almost entirely just fan stuff. It's somewhere kind of in between, where it is about announcements and releases and reveals and things like that, but it is also about just fans gathering together and celebrating games for a week. So Gamescom is a massive, it's like the biggest games convention that happens in the world, basically. It takes place in Germany. Obviously, this year it's virtual, COVID, all that bullshit. So it's not happening in the normal capacity, but usually Xbox has a pretty decent show Second to E3, it seems like usually the way Xbox does is like their biggest showing is at E3, their second biggest is at Gamescom, their third biggest is at in December at the Game Game Awards. So there is a possibility that they're going back to their old ways and that this will be a moderately decent slew of announcements. Now, it's mostly going to be updates on games that are coming out or just coming out. Remember, this this stream is like a day before Psychonauts 2, so I hope not, but they're probably just regale us with more Psychonauts 2 bullshit during the event. But, you know, it'll be things like updates on that stuff. Here, Here's the biggest potential, is we could get Halo Infinite's release date at this at this event. That's very, very possible. Um, we'll be really close to the second flight test flight by this point. We'll be really close to the game's intended launch, and we'll probably know more about Call of Duty more on that in a minute by this point. So there's no reason why we shouldn't get a Halo release date at this event. I think that's the biggest thing that's going to come from this event. But also there's a potential that we get like an update on games like Hellblade 2 or Forza Horizon 5 or maybe just maybe something even bigger like a, like um, like Fable or, or Vowed or something like that. Although those are a lot less likely, the thing I was trying to say during the during the stream that I think is possible here is, you know, with with Bethesda and all the studios Xbox has acquired and Game Pass being the main focus, there are now enough studios under the Xbox brand that they could get to a point if they're not already there where. E3, they can focus on like this set of games, and then Gamescom, they can focus on this set of games, and Game and Game Awards, they can focus on these handful of games because they have so many studios and so many games in the pipeline that they can kind of spread them out across multiple events rather than just having one E3 type event where you blow your entire wad. So it is possible that there are some like E3 caliber announcements that we get from this event just because there is just the sheer number of studios that Xbox has and games in development for the console. Also, just because remember how after E3, my big criticism was, think about all the games we know exist for Xbox Series X that we just didn't get updates on at this event. Fable, Avowed, Everwild, etc., etc. So many games, and we just didn't hear about them again after they announced the, the new Forza game. Now, a lot of those I don't expect to see at this event at all, so don't get your hopes up. We're not going to see the next Forza Motorsport. This is a year for Forza Horizon, so don't expect that. But it is possible we do see something like, you know, like a Fable, maybe. Uh, I mean, Halo Wars 2 got revealed at Gamescom. Uh, games like Gears Tactics, I feel like that mid-tier kind of exclusive game, have the potential to be revealed at an event like this, or games that we already know about that we just haven't seen from in a while, like maybe Hellblade 2, have the potential to be shown in some capacity at this event. So I wouldn't rule out the possibility of some exciting announcements, although I will say definitely temper your expectations to some extent. This is by no means E3. It's not going to be that big. There's not going to be that much to talk about. So get ready for a couple treats here or there, possibly some big news about Halo Infinite's release date. But I wouldn't take this as, you know, I, I wouldn't say this is nothing. This is just a touch up on shit we already knew. But I would say it, it's going to have some bite-sized information. In fact, it's almost surprising we didn't get something like Sea of Thieves, A Pirate's Life, revealed at something like this event. But, yeah, so this is this is exciting. It's it's just a, 
about two weeks away, a little less than two weeks away from now. So, and the, and the best part of all is it's on a Tuesday. So it's happening on Tuesday the 24th, which means we don't have to delay Xbox on, which means on Thursday the 26th, you'll get a, just a big, chunky Gamescom edition of Xbox on with no delay or anything like that. It gives us all plenty of time to take it all in. So that works out just fine. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's be excited for this, guys. Get your, get your hands together for Team Xbox as they talk more about the games we have coming on the horizon, as well as some Game Pass-related shit. Now, our next story coming from IGN. The Dead Space remake being developed by EA Motive is reportedly aiming for a fall 2022 release date just a year from now. According to a report by GamesBeat, sources familiar with the development of the game have said that Dead Space could launch as early as fall 2022. This may be sooner than many fans expected, given the very little has been shared about the game, which was only officially announced last month. Reports by GamesBeat claims that internally EA is anticipating a Dead Space launch during 2023 in its fiscal year. Uh, however, when approached for a statement surrounding the supposed release of the game, EA said, we haven't shared a release date for the game and we don't have any comments based on current rumors or speculation, but we're glad people are excited. Uh, so that's not much to go off of, but I, the only real news here is how soon we could reportedly be getting this game because for this statement to be true, that means EA Motive would have had to been working on this for quite a while. Now, remember, their past two most recent projects is 2017, they did the campaign for Star Wars Battlefront 2. And then 2019, they did Star Wars Squadrons. That was 2019, right? That wasn't 2020. Am I going crazy? Let me just double check. No, I'm going crazy. That was 2020. So just last year, they did Star Wars Squadrons. But remember, Squadrons was a $40 smaller scale, more single player only focused experience. So that is, it's very believable to think that Star Wars Squadrons was a game that was made by a smaller subset team of EA Motive that did that project based on a lot of the assets and engine and work that they had already done from the Battlefront games. So it's very easy to think that, you know, Star Wars Squadrons, think of it as like a glorified DLC where it's like you don't you don't need 100% of your team focused on that project. It's very possible that that, that is the secondary team while the primary team you know, has been working in some capacity on a Dead Space remake. So we would just have to be under the guise that they've mostly been working on this for at least like two or three years if this game is to come out about a year from now, this Dead Space remake. Um, other than that, I mean, I think they have had some development help in like Battlefield 5 or Battlefield 2042. I know there are a handful of teams working with DICE on Battlefield 2042, so I wouldn't be totally surprised. Obviously, EA Motive has worked with DICE in the past since they worked with them on Star Wars Battlefront 2, where, where DICE did the multiplayer component of that game. So it wouldn't be hard to believe that they've been working on other things in between Battlefront 2 and Dead Space. But that being said, in order for this rumor to be true, this team would have, in some capacity, have to have been working on this game for quite a while. Um, so, it's just surprising news to think that this game is potentially out in 2022. Although, of course, this could be totally false, in which case we're back to my initial claim, which is that the game probably comes out in 2023, which would be EA, EA Fiscal Year 2024, of course, because regardless, I, I think a fall, early fall is the appropriate release window for this game, regardless of what year it's coming out. Um, but yeah, so that's... That's the newest update on Dead Space, a game I really need to get around to playing so I can get some uh, some foundation for this franchise before we play the remake, but we'll have to see if that ends up being the case, which we won't know about until sometime next year if it is, but possibly some really exciting news. Might be getting Dead Space sooner than anticipated. Now, next up, we're going to jump into some of the 
more sad and dire news. Now, Fulbright co-creator Steve Gaynor, a guy known for his work on Bioshock 2 and then later uh, with the foundation of Fulbright, the creators of the Gone Home indie darling game from, I think, 2014, has stepped down from his role as creative lead on the upcoming open road game amid reports of a toxic work culture. Gaynor's shift in position was announced on the Open Road's Twitter account, which said the following, We are a small team passionate about making an inclusive, poignant, story-driven game that gives players a feeling of discovery. We care deeply about creating games that have a positive impact. We are also fervent believers in fostering a work environment that is healthy and collaborative, where we can work with transparency, autonomy, and trust. As such, Fulbright's co-creator Steve Gaynor has stepped down from his role as creative lead and manager and transitioned to a role as a writer, handing off the day-to-day responsibilities to the team to complete open roads. We're all excited about how the game is shaping up, and we hope you'll follow along as we continue to share our progress. Signed, The Open Roads Team. Now, speaking to Polygon, 12 former employees of the company have reportedly stepped up and said that their decision to leave the studio has partially been due to Gaynor's uh, behavior towards his staff, in particular the women on his team. In the article, Polygon reports that staff spoke anonymously out of fear of retaliation, describing the work environment at Fulbright as being controlling, with workers feeling undermined and demeaned by Gaynor. The former staff have said that they haven't experienced or been witness to sexual harassment or explicit sexism, but that hidden behind a veneer of inclusivity, members of the team were subject to studios' toxic work culture, with women repeatedly broken down by microaggressions. A Fulbright representative confirmed that Steve is stepping down in March 2021 after after it became clear that the steps were already being taken to improve the interactions between the team and that these improvements or steps were only yielding temporary results. Gaynor's Twitter thread on, on the subject said that stepping down from the role has given him the space and perspective to see how his role needs to change and how his needs to learn and improve as, uh, how he needs to learn and improve as part of the team. He then closed by st- a statement saying that stepping back from the day-to-day development of open roads was the right thing to do. So this is potentially me stepping in a little bit, but this is, I think the antithesis of what this Activision thing is. If this Activision outing with all these reports going on at blizzard and all this, if this is the, if this is the uh, Harvey Weinstein of the video games industry's toxic and demeaning culture to women, then this story with Steve Gaynor and Fulbright is like the <laughs> Aziz Ansari or or like um, or like Louis C.K. of the uh, of the games industry, where it's like, okay, yes. This is a, a story where there's potentially, you know, something to be said or action to be taken or a lesson to be learned or someone to be ousted. But for the most part, it seems like much to do about nothing because not because someone was potentially victimized or hurt or or undermined or, or mistreated at the studio. But more importantly, because from all these reveals, this reporting from Polygon, the statements from the team and everything we have here, it seems like a lot of fluffy surface level abstract vagueness and not a lot of concrete this person did this thing wrong and activision we know that a woman had 
lewd pictures of herself shared around at a holiday party among men. And she had a sexually abusive boss that was like using her for sex and shit like that. And eventually that woman went and took her own life. Now, whether or not those things are directly correlated, we can guess that they probably are in some way. But of course, we can't be for certain. But we know that that shit happened and that's incredibly fucked. We know there are women who have been more qualified for promotions and positions and have been denied those because there's a very like boys club kind of work culture there at Blizzard and at Activision that has put less qualified men in positions of greater power than women simply for the fact that they're kind of in the in crowd. And we've also seen examples from these reports with Activision that there's blatant racism where women were women of color were mistreated or denied promotions or denied equal treatment in terms of like uh, being taken seriously with their tone and demeanor simply for being women of color versus the typical heavily white male laden kind of work culture of, of most like game development studios. So we know with with Activision, like it or not, whether 100% of it's true or 80% of it's true or there's some embellishment or some fibbing kind of mixed in there, we know that there is a good chunk of bullshit happening at Activision and at Blizzard and that things need to change there and stuff needs to happen. But with this story, we don't have any concrete information that anything in particular is having. And I'm very tired of talking about this stuff at this point because I don't think I'm qualified to have a really good discussion on any of these things. Like I don't work in this industry. I I have no experiences with these kinds of things. I am not a woman who knows what it's like to be subject to this kinds of this kind of treatment. So there's only so you know I'm not a legal expert, so I can't talk about the implications of of what this means for these companies and these individuals. So there's very very little input I can give of any consequence. It's going to be like, wow, I'm really glad Jesse decided to touch on the subject because I feel like he really made a great point. It's like, it's, it's, it's not going to come from my mouth. It's just, we got to be honest about that. It was never going to be the case with Activision. It's not going to be the case here, but this is a big thing happening in the news. This is a very important, this is one of the most important indie development teams that exists out there. Steve Gaynor, a highly regarded game talent person for his work on Bioshock two and on gone home and Tacoma. And, and, and so the story has to be talked about, but from first read, from initial knee-jerk learning of this story, I can't help but see this and be like, okay, I'm not trying to deny that Steve Gaynor maybe is guilty of some things, but it's kind of hard to want to hold him accountable and say shit when all you can say is like, yeah, Steve is like a pretty high up there. And, uh, you know, just his, you know, we've had that. We, we need him to step back a little bit because uh, we're trying to create a, a work environment that's very inclusive and that's uh, and that's very positive. It's like, OK, so what the fuck does that mean? Was he sexually harassing someone who worked there? Was he was he telling women that they are less important and that their input is less important than the male's input on this project. Like what the fuck was he doing that has led to this decision that has laid led to this incredibly vague and nondescript statement describing or explaining why trying to explain poorly explaining why Steve is stepping down to a smaller role. And also keep in mind the game they're working on open roads is largely finished. So whatever this means, they're, they're putting Steve into a more of a, a writer position. It's like th- this game is written. At this point, Open Roads isn't in a position where they're creating the story. They're in a position where they're polishing and patching and programming the game together. They're not writing the story. So I don't even know what that means. It's, it seems like he's not really working on the game at all if, if they're this far along in development and he's been 
scaled back to just a writer and consultant on the game. So not really sure what to make of that information as well. But until we learn more about specifically what Gaynor is guilty of here or, uh, you know, some victim steps forward as to what he said or did, it's hard to be like, oh, shame on Steve Gaynor. Good for this team that they were able to scale him back. They didn't even kick him out of the team. They just they just put him in a smaller role. So it, it's it's really hard to gather what they mean from this. Like, does this mean that, like, Steve is is like, you know, he's good at his job and no, he wasn't singling any one person out, but he's just a control freak and it makes people uncomfortable. It sounds it sounds almost more like the story is like Steve is a very hands on micromanaging all encompassing like this is my creative vision. You let me run the project or you can fuck off almost like Steve Jobs esque kind of person and that this team wants to be a little more like, whoa, chill out. Everyone's contribution matters calm down, let everyone have an equal say in what goes on. And that's fine if that's the case or if that's what they're getting at here. But they they almost played off, at least with the Polygon reporting here, that this is like a, the next big scandal in like oppression in the workplace and like of like sexual misconduct or like, I, I don't know, like just mistreatment towards women. It's like they're like trying to allude to that and build one of these stories, but we're not being told. It talks about the veneer of inclusivity, the toxic work, work culture with women. But it's like, what do you fucking mean? The microaggressions towards women. You, it almost makes it sound like uh, Steve Gaynor, uh, people who worked at this company noticed that when Steve Gaynor got mad at people, uh, there was a, a trend where they were often women. And therefore, he is creating a toxic environment and he is being unfair towards women. It's like, is is, is that what they're saying here? It's, it's just, it seems like a lot of blank accusations and really vague shit. So it's like, again, I'm not, I'm, I don't want you to, I don't want this to come across as like, I'm defending Steve Gaynor. God damn it. I, I, but I do want it to come off as like, I question this story's intent because it's, it, it comes across more as these publications like Polygon are trying to have a story. They're trying to have their Activision scandal story break, but they don't have a full story. They have, some controversy and workplace discomfort and un, 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 unhappiness. And they're trying to be like, how can we spin this, this decision into like a, someone here's a womanizer. And I, I, I don't fully buy it. So I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying that Steve's completely innocent here, but I am saying I would like more context and more specific reporting as to what's going on here before I make a decision as to, you know, how dire the situation is. And, it can, and apparently it can't be that dire if they're not getting rid of Steve. They're just scaling back his role. So I, I just found this to be a weird, you know, the story broke shortly after the podcast went live last week. And I noticed it was kind of a big story that garnered a lot of attention. I couldn't help but be like, I don't see the story that everyone else here is talking about. I just don't like, especially in the wake of what's happening at Activision, this is like an apples to oranges kind of thing. I, f- I feel like it's like the, the story at Activision and Blizzard has got people so riled up that like the next small thing comes by and they're just ready to pounce on that as well. But the two things aren't necessarily, re- you know, equivalencies in any way. So I, I, I don't know. Again, I'm in that. In, listen, let's say hypothetically, Steve really re- is treating women a certain way. He's being, 
He's being ex- he's excluding women. He's being harsher on his female staff. He's not taking their feedback into consideration, or he's being very much like creating very much of like a boys' club kind of work culture where the males' opinions matter a lot more than the women's opinions. And he kind of shrugs off the feedback and the work of certain employees for in favor of others. Listen, those are all super important, valid things that deserve addressing within the company. I just feel like they're trying to build a scandal around this situation where it's like no one necessarily, I don't know, was like hurt or or victimized or anything. It was just like, you know, a group of people decided they don't really like this guy being in a position of power and decided like, hey, it'd be better for our company if you weren't the boss in this situation. So I, I, I don't know. I just don't really fully know what to make of the story yet. Maybe I'll eat those words and, and remember with the disclaimer that I'm not in any real position to offer any worthwhile insight onto these stories. That's why, you know, before the Activision stuff started happening, I was like, I really don't even want to have to talk about these stories anymore because I just don't think I'm the guy for the job. But nonetheless, these are the big stories happening in the games industry. And, you know, unfortunately, the games news isn't always going to be Halo Infinite is awesome and Call of Duty's release date is this and uh, Banjo-Kazooie was great because of X, Y, and Z. That's not always going to be the news. Sometimes the news is going to be someone touched someone and someone is a fucking idiot and this person needs to get fired. So that, that's unfortunately that's the news sometimes. So we work with what we're given and what we're given is shit. Next story uh, from IGN. We're he- heavily polling from IGN this week, but EA CEO Andrew Wilson told investors, you should think of battlefield as a service indicating the direction that the popular game is taking with the upcoming battlefield 2042 during EA's fiscal year quarter, 2022, to investors call on Wednesday he said quote I think it is our orientation but most important I think that is our orientation but most important I think you should think of Battlefield as a service notably EA did not clarify whether or not Battlefield franchise will be released every other year like in previous entries but the implication is that EA will continue to treat Battlefield like an ongoing ecosystem that sees regular updates Wilson pointed to EA's continued shift in live service-focused games for the future throughout the investors' call, saying games like Battlefield 2042 will remain, sorry, will reinvent what our epic scale games are. With the recent announcement of Portal Mode for Battlefield 2042, Wilson continues, this really forms the foundation for what we think of the future of Battlefield is. We think it will change the nature of what happens from launch to launch, and we plan to focus on 365-day engagement on a platform level. So I I think this is more of this is a reaction to a lot of things. The first thing I think of when I when I hear this is this is EA's way of saying we see the popularity of Call of Duty's Warzone mode and we want that. We want a games as a service, but we tried Battle Royale for Battlefield and it failed miserably and we're trying to figure out how can we get on this persistent games as a service type ordeal that just prints money while also you know, not just copying what the rest do and having it fail miserably. How can we pull this off? And so I think this is them saying after the failure of Battlefield 5's fire or whatever it's called, firefight, whatever, Battle Royale mode, this is their way of saying, well, what are the strengths of Battlefield? What is that people like about it? Large-scale battles. And how can we turn that into a games as a service? So I almost see this as them saying, we're going to compete with the likes of Fortnite in Warzone, but it's not going to be Battle Royale because that's not what we're good at and that's not what people expect from us. And so they're almost kind of going like a Rainbow Six Siege type route where they're not saying there's not going to be another Battlefield game. Yeah, sure, there'll be another Battlefield game at some point, but it's more about how they're saying this next Battlefield game isn't going to be like, oh, we released the game, uh, we update a little bit, we put out DLC a couple months later, 
yeah, it's done. Two more years, next Battlefield game. This is their way of saying not so much that, but maybe like Battlefield 2042 is a game that's going to get continuous content drops, season passes, new perks and reasons to keep coming back to the game, playing, grinding, doing new things. And if they're lucky, they can garner enough of an audience that they can keep this game alive and going for maybe the next five or six years or something, you know, make build like a Rainbow Six Siege type thing out of this where not necessarily it's the last Battlefield game, you know, it's not, it's no Grand Theft Auto 5 or anything, but maybe it is the next Battlefield to, or it, it is the first Battlefield to maintain its status as like the premier Battlefield experience for many years beyond just the traditional one to two years that Battlefield games normally get. So less of an annualized Call of Duty type thing or biannual Battlefield thing, a little more of a longevity like once every once every half decade or so kind of like rainbow six siege type experience that's kind of how i'm reading this i don't think by any stretch of the imagination this is going to be the last battlefield game but yes i they they want to double down on it and invest in it and keep it going more so than they did with games like you know battlefield one came out it was very popular people liked it and then it seemed like the next day they're like battlefield five i was like whoa that was fast you know they're getting away from that if you think about starting in 20 13 i think it was 2012 2013 with battlefield 3 it just became this thing of like oh, i guess you can go back even further it was like battlefield bad company in 08 i think i'm getting these years right 08 was bad company 2010 was bad company 2 2012 was battlefield 3 2014 was battlefield 4 2016 was battlefield 1 2018 was battlefield 5 it's like whoa it's just like every two years like clockwork new battlefield new battlefield not to mention i think 2015 also had uh, because Visceral, Visceral Games made Battlefield Hardline. So lots and lots of Battlefield always coming out. I think this is their way of saying we want this to be Battlefield for the next like four to six years. That's that's all. I, I, I think beyond that, not not much here is, is trying to be said. So I wouldn't look too, too much into it, but that's that's what I'm garnering from this statement. And I think that's a, that's a good way to go. I think Battlefield is a kind of game that doesn't need to be released every year. It doesn't even Call of Duty. I think is at a point where it's like it really is hurting the franchise. Like, l- listen, my uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019 is not my favorite multiplayer in a Call of Duty game in recent history. I think it's too realistic and too sweaty for me. I think it's a very bad Call of Duty from multiplayer perspective. I like that game's campaign a ton, but I really actually dislike its multiplayer. That being said, there's no denying that I'm an outlier there. People love. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019's multiplayer. And if anything, Activision did that game a massive disservice by continuing their annual release thing because Black Ops Cold War came out, and even though I like that game's multiplayer way more than Modern Warfare's, people weren't ready to say goodbye to Modern Warfare. And to the point where, like, when I'm on my friends list and I see people playing Call of Duty, I see more people playing Modern Warfare 2019 than I see Black Ops Cold War. There are a lot of people who are like, why the fuck did you just move on so fast? Like, we're not done with this game. This is a good multiplayer game. Like, give it legs. Like, put more maps in it. Keep adding to it. Put more battle passes. Continue to support this fucking game you built that people really like. Like, even Call of Duty's getting to a point where it's really like, you're 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 shooting these games in the foot by annually releasing them because some of these games are games that could justify two to three to four year cycles. You know, like World War II, eh, maybe that one wasn't the best, but... Modern Warfare 2019, people people really wanted that to stay around. Black Ops Cold War, I'd like to see it stay around. I'm sure as hell not excited for it to take a backseat to Vanguard or whatever the fuck we're about to get, but whatever. 
going on to our next story, speaking of Call of Duty, speaking of Battlefield, speaking of games where people shoot other people and then their publishers are like, we don't have sex scandals going on in our studio. No, 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 not us. And then the World of Warcraft guys who live in their mom's basements and have very long hair go, oh, no, I said the stupid thing in the Cosby room. And we're like, oh, you fucking idiot. Why did you say that, you stupid, dumb piece of shit? And then, and then we're in this situation. But Video Games Chronicles, you know them, you don't know them, whatever said on Tuesday that Twitter user at NextGen underscore Ishir claimed that the next Call of Duty game is set to be revealed on August 19th. While the tweet in question has since been deleted, reported reportedly following DMCA takedown by copyright holder, uh, reputable leaker Tom Henderson claims that a dual shockers report to have verified some of the details with four independent sources. So, reputable guy, Four independent sources claims that the next Call of Duty is being announced on August 19th. I could just skip the rest of the story and tell you why I already believe that, but let's go on. He received word from Activision that that they are indeed pl- he sorry received word that Activision is indeed planning Call of Duty Vanguard to be revealed on August 19th, with details of the event repeated reportedly set to be shared with a limited number of media outlets as early as this week. Of course, that would be under strict NDA. Uh, now, Call of Duty Vanguard, which is reportedly being developed by Sledgehammer Games, is expected to be officially revealed this summer, likely in an in-game free-to-play Warzone event like they did last year for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. It will feature a plot centering around the uh, birth of modern allied special forces, blah, blah, blah. Also, apparently, a uh, first image of the game was reportedly leaked, but has since been taken down at the request of Activision. Now, discussing the officially unnamed Call of Duty game during Activision Blizzard's second quarter earnings call this month, President and Chief Operating Officer Daniel Allegre said that the title is scheduled for release during the fourth quarter of 2021, meaning November, like always, it's Call of Duty. We know the drill. We haven't missed a Call of Duty since 2004, so yeah, I know. But he said, quote, from a setting that our fans know and love to an incredible amount of content and development, including an extensive live ops schedule, we believe that a release will be incredibly well received. Well, yeah, no shit, because every Call of Duty is. Later in the call, Activision President Rob uh, Caustic also said that Activision feels really good about Sledgehammer in the game they're working on. So, listen, this is just like last year. This is a very similar situation we had to last year. This time last year, everyone was like, the rumor is Sledgehammer got pulled off Call of Duty because it wasn't doing that good. And then they put Raven and, and Treyarch in charge and they're making a Black Ops game and they're stitching it together and it's supposed to take place during the Cold War and they're going to announce it in Warzone in August. In Light Clockwork, that's what fucking happened. People were playing Warzone, being stupid and nerdy, playing the worst battle royale in the fucking game in the world, ignoring the fact that Apex Legends better, the fact that even fucking Fortnite's better. And then... And then they're like, oh, I'm stupid. I'm playing Call of Duty Warzone because I'm fucking dumb and shit. And then the game started blowing up and, 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 and fecal particles started floating through the air. And it formed together to say Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. And everyone's like, whoa, who could have saw that stupid shit coming? And then Activision was like, hey, guys, we got a new game. It's called Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. No colon because fuck you grammar nerds. And then everyone freaked out and was like, whoa, a new Call of Duty. Who could have seen that coming? And then in November, Black Ops Cold War came out. And despite what you fucking Xbox fanboys think, you hardcore gamers that aren't in tune with sales numbers, yes, Call of Duty was the best-selling game last year because 
Fuck The Last of Us Part 2. It doesn't matter what the gamers are saying. Call of Duty is like it's like a fucking hurricane. If it wants to take down Puerto Rico, it will do so, and then the United States government will let them suffer because that is the will of the power uh, of the people with the power and the, and the interests vested in in, 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 in the people in the position. You get, you get my point? That's what happens, okay? So Activision, in this case, is going to make a shit ton of money off another Call of Duty. No fucking shit's coming out this year. Come hell or high water. Activision's in a unique position other game publishers don't get to be in, where they have so many motherfucking studios that work on Call of Duty and nothing else that they could pretty much be like a quarter done with the game at this point, and they could be like, okay, um, excuse me, all the teams that have ever made a good game that isn't Call of Duty, raise your hand. And then Raven's like, oh, we made a good Wolfenstein game and and, and, uh, and shit. And they're like, oh yeah, you're good. And then Toys for Bob's like, remember Skylanders? That was cool. And they're like, cool, you're in. And then Vicarious Vision's like, Tony fucking Hawk. And Activision's like, Tony fucking not. Get back to Call of Duty. And then they'll take all these guys and all this talent from all these studios that we wish were making, all these games that weren't Call of Duty. And they'll be like, get to work on Call of Duty and make sure it has many multiplayer skins and battle passes right this fucking second. And it will happen. And overnight, that stupid fucking Call of Duty game will be ready. And it will sell 14 million units in less than a week. And then all you guys who are saying... Battlefield 2042 is going to be Call of Duty this year. We'll be wrong because that's not how it fucking works. You need, to, you need to zoom out of your little bubble for a second and take into account that Call of Duty sells more than any other game because it sells to people that aren't just gamers. It sells to the dads. It sells to uh, the fucking football guy. It sells to the fucking clerk at the DMV. Everyone's buying this fucking game. It doesn't even matter. Some of these people don't even own a video game console. They have a fucking Atari 2600. They don't even know what it does. And they're like, I guess I should buy the new Call of Duty this year. Because that's what Call of Duty does. Like a hurricane destroying Puerto Rico and the United States government just turning a blind eye and saying, we don't want to do anything about that. That's what fucking happens. Activision will unleash that fucking storm every November, no matter what, come hell or high water. And whether you like it or not, it's going to sell good numbers. That's not even relevant to the story. I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. But here we are. I'm just I'm just kind of a little annoyed because the media cycle running up to this announcement and this leak has just been like, rumor is the next Call of Duty game could be announced as late as August. It's like, okay, you fucking dumb sacks of shit. Do you remember like 12 months ago when we were living in a very similar reality where we had to wear masks everywhere and there was a COVID pandemic and we were all like, where's Call of Duty, head scratch? And they're like, oh yeah, we'll do it in August. So this is just this, the exact same story we had last year. We're, we're literally living, this is fucking Freaky Friday with Call of Duty right now. It's like, yeah, we did this already. Last year, everyone was saying wear a mask or die and we were just sitting around in the middle of August saying, where the fuck is Call of Duty? Fast forward 12 months, it's the middle of August, it's hot as balls out, we're all still wearing masks, trying to hide from this fucking pandemic, and we're all saying to ourselves, where's Call of Duty? We're living the same goddamn story again. Even the, the, the behind-the-scenes story is the exact fucking same. Last year, the story was Sledgehammer kind of fucked up. The game's in development hell. They got these other guys jumping in to fix the fucking product, and now it's Black Ops. Okay, fast forward to this year. What's the story? Um, Sledgehammer kind of fucked up. There's some shit going on behind the scenes, and now they got all these teams jumping on board to kind of get the thing together and patch it together and get the fucking game out before no November because come hell or high water, like a motherfucking hurricane, Call of Duty will be there in November, mark my fucking words. So... It's kind of annoying at this point because we're just seeing 
and the rollout from all the news media outlets, like, according to multiple sources, there may be a Call of Duty-related announcement this far. And, and listen, how goddamn cool would it be if Activision were just like, we have small penises and we mistreat our women. Therefore, Call of Duty will actually be delayed for the first time in forever. That'd be fucking awesome. But do you know how much money Activision makes you know, how much guaranteed money they make every November off Call of Duty. You think they would let that not happen this year? You think this year they'd be like, we're okay with just missing out on the 20 million fucking units our game's going to sell in the last month and a half of the year. We're okay with missing out on that. We'll just delay it because we really respect the creative vision of the game and the gamers. It's like, you fucking kidding me? They're not going to say no to that. It doesn't matter. Literally, the next Call of Duty game could just be a boot-up screen of... Of all the sex offenders and, and womanizers and and bad actors from Blizzard, it could literally just be a boot up screen of all those guys pulling their pants down and saying, fuck you, we got away with it too. And then just roll credits. It could literally be that. And it would still sell twenty one million units before the end of the uh, be, before the end of the calendar year, and IGN would still give it an eight point seven out of ten. Like I don't know what to tell you. Call of Duty's coming out in November, the game's being announced in August. It's a fucking World War II game called Vanguard from the developers that made World War II the last time they did World War II in a Call of Duty. It's the same fucking game. You've played it before. It's coming. Let's stop talking about it like it's a possibility that there might be a Call of Duty this year. There's a possibility it might get announced this August. It's like, yeah, we fucking know. So that's my good rant for the day. It's 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 annoying. It's really annoying. Let's stop. Like there's there, you know, they say like the only two things that are guaranteed in this world are death and taxes. You know? Gamers know the only things in this world that are guaranteed are death, taxes, and an annualized November release for a Call of Duty game. Like, we know what's happening. So let's stop being cute. Let's stop speculating. Let's stop doing the little clickbaity articles of, like, Secret Insider reports that Call of Duty might be developed by one of the many Call of Duty developers this year. It's like, yeah, we get it. We fucking get it, man. Just tell us about Halo Infinite's release date already, please. God damn it. All right, later in the call, no, we're skipping that. Wrap-up story. Let's get to it. Windows Central reports that Activision Blizzard... Oh, she fucking thought it was over, man. I, again, I don't make the news. This is just the shit we got steamed up. We're gonna, we're not even gonna, we're not even gonna do any a- analyzing on this story. I'm just gonna read it to you and we're gonna move on because this is like a tidbit. This might as well just be at the end of the show. But Activision Blizzard, publisher of franchises like Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, etc., we just talked about these fucks, is currently facing a lawsuit from the state of California alleging sex, sex, sexist workplace practices, systemic abuse, and more, according to a report from Kotaku, Diablo 4 game director, Diablo 4 game director, Luis, Luis, Baraga, Baraja, Baraga, Blizzard Lee-level designer Jesse McCree, and World of Warcraft designer Jonathan LeCraft, which is Spanish for The Craft have all been let go from Blizzard Entertainment as of Wednesday. Good news. McCree was supposed to be one of the senior Blizzard staff taking part in the alleged Cosby Suite scenario that we talked about last week, with screenshots of comments being made by McCree and others in the group recently resurfacing. This following the news of Blizzard President J. Allen uh, Brack was leaving the company with Jen O'Neill and Mikey Barr and now co-leading Blizzard Entertainment during Activision's recent QT earning, Q2 earnings call. CEO Bobby Kodak said... The company is committed to changing, emphasizing, and man- emphasizing that any managers or leaders that, quote, don't sell many Call of Duty units, I mean, impeding the integrity of the process, would be let go. Activision Blizzard employees note that the demand have not been 
have, their demands have still not yet been met. So this is pretty typical shit. Again, we're not getting into this. Obviously, recap, more bad actors have been snuffed out. That's great, but this is the easy shit. This is where upper management can go. We can get rid of the bad guys in the middle of the in the middle of the uh, hierarchy tier that did the bad thing because it will make us look good for the press. The CEO is still not going to take responsibility for any of this stuff, still not going to take a pay cut or publicly apologize or step down from his position or restructure the work culture in any way, shape, or form to take care of the people at the bottom of the company who are demanding a restructure and demanding some kind of shift for the for the quality and the work life uh, situation that they're subject to at Blizzard and Activision. None of that's going to happen. Don't worry. Bobby Kodak is still going to make billions of fucking dollars this year because Call of Duty is still coming out in November. Don't you fucking worry about that. These people at the bottom of the totem pole, these, these coders and art designers and asset creators and all these fucking grunt frontline workers working on these fucking Warcraft nerdy games and these Call of Duty games that come out every November, you can fucking bet on that like a hurricane. They're all going to still deal with the same shitty oppressive company that doesn't do anything for them in any way po possible, but don't worry. They got rid of like the four or five guys that we got the screen grabs of that we learned about the bad b things they said that one time in 2013. They're all gone, so everything's good, right? And and, and the media will be like, oh well, the bad guys are gone. Uh, the story's still bad. Uh, the demands of the employees haven't been met. Ha ha ha! Nervous laughter, and then we'll move on. Next week. I predict it now. Next week, you're going to see this story start to slow down. I think there's a possibility a lot of this stuff gets settled outside of court. It doesn't even make it to court. They try to settle as much of this shit as they can behind closed doors. Lots of settlement money being passed around. And then next week, Call of Duty Vanguard gets announced, comes out in November, and we stop talking about it because the big Activision news is Diablo 2 Remake, Call of Duty Vanguard coming out in November. You can bet your sweet asshole on that. And uh, Bobby Kodak doesn't have to face any consequences for the shitty workplace environment that he's condoned all these fucking years because he's been CEO for 40 fucking years. So that is all there is to say about it. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of this, of this story. There you go. Remember when this was an Xbox podcast? Remember when we used to talk about like Gears of War? Do you guys remember Marcus Phoenix? And a wrap, a wrap up to the wrap up. These are just games coming to Game Pass. So you don't got, you don't got sweat. No one's getting sexually harassed here. Windows Central reports as relayed by Xbox Wire, which I don't know why I need two sources to tell you this, but on August 11th, Boyfriend Dungeon is coming to Game Pass via Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One and PC. And then on August 10th, which has already happened, it's in the past now, we're talking about the past here, a couple more games are coming to Game Pass. We've got Library of Ruina, uh, Series X, Xbox One, and Cloud Gaming. And then a whole slew of Codemaster games are coming through EA Play, Onto Game Pass. We got Dirt 5. We got Dirt 4. We got Dirt Rally. We got Dirt Rally 2.0. We got F1 2020. We got F1 2019. We got Grid. All these games are coming to Series X, Series S, Xbox One. And in the case of Dirt 5, we're also getting that on PC and cloud gaming. So lots of good games coming from Codemaster. For all you guys to like games where you drive a car so you can drive as far away from fucking Call of Duty as possible, as far away from Activision as possible. If you're lucky, you can even drive it off a cliff and end your pathetic existence. Dirt 5 is going to be the game for you. It is optimized for the Series X, so you can watch your pathetic life end an explosion in a, in a, in a massive explosion of, of grateful flames in, in beautiful 4K, uh, fully using all the, all the teraflops of the Xbox Series X hardware. Despite the chip shortage, they're going to make it happen. I promise you that much. That is going to do for all of our big stories of the week, guys. But Wait, you're saying, Jesse, I feel like we're missing something. Oh, yeah, we are. 
the important enough news. These are the stories important enough to make the podcast, but not necessarily important enough to warrant their own discussion, of which you could argue some of the ones we just talked about should belong in this, in, in this section. But nonetheless, there's only two. And none of them have to do with sexual misconduct, so thank God. Windows Central reports that Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice has now been optimized for Xbox Series X and S. Per the official announcement, the, organ the optimization brings direct X ray tracing alongside enriched visuals in a resolution mode and more. Also, IGN reports that Stardew Valley, the wonderful game that's been really out for a very long time, many people have bought it, it's always on Steam sales, so it's not a huge deal, will be released into Xbox Game Pass in the fall of 2021, which was... This, this announcement was made during the Twitch Gaming Showcase ID at Xbox stream, which also announced uh, Origami 2, Evil Genius 2, and Paparazzi all coming to Game Pass sooner rather than later. And with that all out of the way, guys, that's going to do it for another week of Xbox On slash Judge Judy, whatever the fuck this podcast is about now. And you're saying, Jesse, wait a minute. That's the news, but I feel like there's usually something else you do at the end of the show. I say, yes, there is something I do at the end of the show. It's the part where I'm supposed to tell you the new game's coming out via the Xbox Wire, but then I go, well, this episode's kind of running a little long. Let's actually not do that, but just know there's a game called I Am Dead coming out August 9th, and I feel like that kind of encapsulates the way we all feel after all this fucking Activision news that no one wants to deal with, but we have to deal with because Activision is so incredibly selfish. They can't stay out of the news because they can't stop mistreating their employees. They can't stop putting out Call of Duties every November like a fucking hurricane. They're, they're there when they say they are. Remember when Toys to Bob used to make Spyro games? Yeah, me too. Fuck you guys. Now, to mellow us out, to bring it back home, games with gold. As a reminder, guys, it is August. Yes, this year is passing us by. As a reminder, August is when we learn about the new Call of Duty that will come out in November. But it's August, so we got a couple games of gold you might be interested in. A rather solid lineup for games of gold. We got Darksiders 3 available for the rest of the month. We got Ukulele available from the 16th to the 15th of September, so it's almost ready to download that one. Then we got Lost Planet 3. If you haven't downloaded it already, it's about to go away. It's only available to August 15th. And then lastly, starting on August 16th and running through the rest of the month, we've got Garu, Mark of the Wolves, Xbox 360 game. What a cute retro throwback. But that is going to do it for our entire episode this week. You guys, it's been a full episode. Unedited, we're already at an hour and 46 minutes. So I feel like most of that was ranking chicken sandwiches and complaining about the workplace culture at Activision. But then again, I think that's what like the past 10 episodes have been about. So pretty much in line with what we normally talk about. Maybe next week we have better news. I expect next week to actually be a slow news week because it will be the calm before the game is calm storm but i guess we'll probably be talking about call of duty's announcement next week so uh fuck me and fuck you actually call of duty's announcement will probably be made the day next week's episode goes live so that'll be incredibly obnoxious but with that all said guys that's going to do it for our podcast this week remember we will be live thursday night on twitch tv twitch.tv slash lightning extreme monday nights twitch.tv slash lightning extreme if you want updates on when the podcast stuff is happening and when the stream stuff is happening follow me on twitter at jesse derosa and remember guys we're, we're making some progress on this youtube page we're almost at a thousand a thousand subs so subscribe to the second best gaming youtube page which will be changing its name sooner rather than later and i am starting to work on some ideas for some youtube videos so if you are interested in that at all feel free to tell me what you would like to see for youtube videos but i've already got some some things incubating a new series that i think will be fun and uh, I, I hope you guys are interested for just a little more of my bullshit because you might be getting it on the YouTube pretty soon. But until then, until the YouTube shit, until the next stream, until the next Call of Duty, power your dreams.
setting The crooked smile that keeps me guessing The innocence that I've been wanting Belligerence and all my laughing And I want you to know That I can't keep control Sometimes Word you spoke to me, and you're the ghost.